This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord, family. Give Jesus praise offering. Please don't go home right now. We're going to hear the word. This is very important to you, okay? Very important. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have as your children to gather around and worship you and stay the word of God. I'll make it known that I'm not depending on limited human abilities to teach, but I'm trusting in you. Therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind that I might grasp revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you for supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing power and love to each person's mind, to every heart, bringing faith, dispelling all fear, bringing understanding, dispelling all confusion. And we'll give you all the praise, the honor and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word by our spirit here today in Jesus' name. And all those love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to read an article from the Daily Herald in Chicago on February 20, 1996. <clears throat> the headline reads, Fairy tale princess story turns sour after newlyweds lose their money. A newlywed couple had left a black suitcase on the roof of their car as they sped away from the reception to begin their honeymoon. The case had all their wedding gift money in it, 12,000 U.S. dollars. By the time they reached their destination, it was gone from the car roof. The same newspaper carried the headlines two days later, Finders Keepers, question mark. Not all believe it, exclamation mark. Dave He an unemployed suburban resident had come upon a black bag with 12,000 U.S. dollars in cash inside. In spite of his mounting bills and his jobless state, he didn't keep the $12,000. Tracking the couple down, he returned the full amount. When asked why he returned all the money, he said, I guess it doesn't matter whether it's $50 $1,000 or a million dollars, it doesn't belong to me. Upon investigation, the media discovered that David He, acting as Good Samaritan, was consistent with his overall character because David had found $50 the year before and returned that as well. Because of the exposure David received, he was offered several jobs. Remember, he's unemployed, right? He said he would consider jobs he was qualified for. He felt accepting a managerial position for which he was unequipped would be dishonest. The title of our message today is Character and Integrity character, and integrity. The last several years, I have become very concerned in my heart about the lack of character and integrity 
that I see in the world <clears throat> around us. And in fact, creeping into the church, we see this lack of character and lack of integrity. Instead of the church being the light to the world and the salt of the earth, affecting positively the world, unfortunately, the world is affecting negatively the church. Romans 12, verse 2 from the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let's ask ourselves this question. Do we behave differently when we are with different groups of people? Do I behave a certain way to try and impress certain groups of people? Am I really myself in the presence of certain groups of people? People who value integrity are the same when they are with their own family and friends or with other people, maybe folks of influence. Whether we realize it or not, people are watching us. Our friends, our family, and the unsaved are watching us. Our actions and behavior are witnessing for Christ continually. The Bible says we are written epistles read of all men. That's an old English word for letter. The Bible says we are written letters read by all men. That's our behavior. It is important for us to be faithful to God. That is more important than winning a popularity contest. I'm not here to win a popularity contest. How can God bless us with big things if we can't prove to be faithful in little things? He knows all things. Having a good character means doing the right thing regardless of what other people think or what other people do. Sometimes we have to stand alone. And our behavior might be different from those around us. Sometimes it's easier just to be like the rest of the crowd, just fit in, even if they are doing things that are not right, just fit in and be like them. No, not a good idea. It does matter because it is God we want to please and not our friends. It is our, he is our judge on that final day and not our friends. Sometimes our friends could be mocking somebody we know. Maybe they don't deserve to be mocked. That is the time to think of something that we can say, something positive about that person, no matter how small, to defend their innocence. Because it is times like that that we are sowing very good seed and we will reap a good harvest when they talk about us. There are people who brag about their integrity. I wonder about people like that. Very often, that is a sign that we are trying to create an image of ourselves. 
Sometimes they know it's not the case. That's not really them. But they still brag about their integrity. I wonder about them. Integrity means to do what we say we're going to do. That's just one part of being a person of integrity is to keep your word. When we make a promise, let's keep it. Even if that promise hurts us. If we regret making a promise, go ask the person you made the promise to and ask them to let you off the hook. If they agree, you're off the hook. If not, follow through and do it. If they are people of integrity, they'll let you off the hook. A man who urgently, urgently needed a suit dry cleaned before going on a trip flying out of the city. An unexpected trip, business trip. He had to take a flight out of the city. And uh, he needed this particular suit for his business trip. And he thought, what am I going to do? Because he had to leave that very day in the afternoon or the evening. And uh, he remembered on the other side of the city a dry cleaning store that had the sign on the, on the top that said, one hour dry cleaners. One hour dry cleaners was the sign on the top of the store. And uh, he knew it was a 45-minute drive out that side of the town and a 45-minute drive back and a one-hour for the dry cleaning. So he factored all that in and figured out I can still get back and get back to the airport in time, no problem. So he made the journey to the other side of town to the store that advertised one-hour dry cleaners. When he got there, he filled in the tag about his suit, you know, his details, and he gave it to the clerk behind the counter, the clerk, whatever you want to call her. And uh, he said to her, I'm going to hang around here for the hour because I need the suit today. And uh, she looked at him and said, I'm sorry, sir, we cannot do it in one hour. Cannot. The earliest I can get this to you would be by Thursday. And he said to her, I thought that you were one hour dry cleaners because that's what it says on the sign outside. And she said, oh no, we're not one hour dry cleaners. That's just the name of the store. Now, just as important as it is for the store to behave and live up to its advertising, just as it's important for any company to live and behave up to its advertising. I don't know if you've ever bought a hamburger. You see this big juicy hamburger on the sun. I'll have one of those. I'm really hungry. And they give you a hamburger, and it's the size of a golf ball. That happened to me. I was on the run in the airport. And I grabbed this thing. I didn't open it. And I ran, got on the plane. I thought, oh, I'm going to eat this juicy hamburger on the plane. I can't wait. One mouthful was gone. 
I was so mad I had to forgive them. <laughs> so anyhow, justice is important for the business to uphold their advertising. It's even more important for Christians who say they are Christians to behave like an actual Christian. Amen. Why say I'm a Christian if you're not going to behave like one? If you're not going to be a Christian, don't tell anybody you're a Christian. Just keep it a secret. You won't be giving Christianity a bad name. Amen. It's getting awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. So, for example, if you drive like the devil, don't put a little fish on the back of your car. Hmm? Put a shark. <laughs> Proverbs 28, 6. It is better to be honest and poor than rich and crooked. Some folks are so crooked they can't lie straight in their bed at night. Gen Genesis 39, 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there... He didn't have to worry about a thing in the world except to decide what he wanted to eat. Well, that's the way to live. Imagine not have to worry about a thing in the world except what am I going to eat next? Now, that's the kind of life I want to have. I'm aiming for that, praise God. Okay. Now, <clears throat> now Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And about this time, Potiphar's wife began to desire him and invite him to sleep with her. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I ever do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So this adultery is a great sin against God. Now, he has a young man who knows that. Isn't that amazing? She kept putting pressure on him day by day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. That, family of God, is integrity and character. Can I have an amen? So I wonder how many young men today would survive that, or even older men. Another great story is in 1 Chronicles eleven fifteen about David. Once when David was at the rock near the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army were camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three who were among the 30 mighty soldiers, mighty men, an elite group of elite group among David's fighting mighty men went down to meet David there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remembered longingly to his men, re remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love to have some of that good water from the well in Bethlehem, the one by the gate. 
So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well, and brought it back to David. But David refused to drink the water. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. God forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. So remember, David was running from King Saul, right? And the Philistine army were in the vicinity. <clears throat> and David spoke to his mighty men who were running with him about drinking water from the well of Bethlehem. And so these three mighty men broke through the army, the Philistine ranks, went and got the water and then broke through the ranks again and came to David. They could have been killed. They had to fight twice for their lives to get that water for David. That's loyalty, right? That's faithfulness, right? Risking their lives for the man they were serving. Then also, David showed his integrity. He refused to drink it. He said, this water is equal to the lives of these men. I'm going to pour it out as an offering to the Lord. I'll worship God with it. That's integrity, family. Character. Now we remember when David was 17 years old that he slew Goliath with his sling, the giant of the Philistines. When the whole Israeli army was paralyzed with fear, 40 days and nights he beat his chest and the, the uh, Israelites were paralyzed with fear, didn't want to go and take on Goliath. So David went out there with a sling and he killed him. Remember the story? Five of you. Okay, great. Now then, King Saul made him the general of the Israeli army. From that time, he led the troops. Coming home one day, the two of them, the king and David, riding next to each other on their horses, into the city. And the ladies are dancing in the streets singing, David, uh, Saul is slain his thousands, and David is tens of thousands. So Saul got jealous, threw his spear at him one time, tried to kill him. David ducked and fled for his life. And King Saul set out to chase him, to kill him, with his army. And one particular day, 3,000 of his troops actually found David. And they knew where he was. So David's on this hill. And they camp at the bottom of the hill, knowing he's in the facility. And that night, David, this is 1 Samuel 26. 1 Samuel 26. That night, David says to his small band of men, who will go down with me into the Israeli army camp where King Saul is sleeping with General Abner in the center of the soldiers. And Abishai says, I'll go with you, David. Risking their lives, they go down among the sleeping 3,000 soldiers right to the center where King Saul and General Abner are asleep. So, Abishai says to David, let me, give me permission to take King Saul's spear and I'll put it right through his chest. He won't 
wake up. I'll pull him to the ground. He'll be dead. Your problems will be over. And King David, and David says, none of that. Take his spear. Take his jug. Let's get out of here. They go back up the hill. And then David calls down and wakes up General Abner and King Saul. Shouts down from the hill. He says, you're a fine general. You're not protecting your, your king. What's wrong with you? And uh, he's mocking him a little bit there. And so um, David, we know the story, holds up the spear and his water jug and says, look, King Saul, I could have killed you. Why are you chasing me? I don't want to hurt you in any way. Don't, I've never wanted to hurt you. I could have killed you. God put you in my hand, but I let you live. And right there, King Saul had a God moment. Temporarily came to his senses. But listen to what David says to King Saul. And this is astounding. Right? 1 Samuel 26, verse 23. David says, The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and for being loyal. Being good and being loyal. And I refuse to kill you even when the Lord placed you in my power for you are the Lord's anointed. Now actually, he wasn't the Lord's anointed anymore. He had been. The anointing lifted from Saul and came on David when Samuel poured oil on him as a 17-year-old boy and prayed for him. So David was the true king of Israel, the anointed king. Saul was sitting on the throne with no anointing. But even so, David, remember, anointed as the king, says, I refuse to kill you, even when the Lord place you in my power, for you are the Lord's anointed. Hmm. You see, the anointing means this. God spurred us on someone to fulfill a task, a plan, if you would. God's ability working through somebody to accomplish a plan. The anointing's for that purpose. So when we come against God's anointed, we are standing against God's purpose in the earth. It's a big problem. Folks don't understand the anointing of God. They're ignorant. And so they just criticize, condemn Attack the anointing of God because they're listening to the devil and the devil hates the anointing of God. So, but David says right here, I'm going to be loyal to you even if you're trying to kill me. I'm going to serve you even while you're chasing me down, hunting me down, trying to kill me. I'm going to remain loyal and faithful to you, my king. That's what we call integrity and character. Psalm 15.1. Who may worship you? Who may worship your sanctuary, Lord, in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. 
Speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Speaking the truth. It's the truth that sets you free. Allow, keep you in bondage. Folks don't know what truth is today. They don't know what truth is today. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he said, what are you doing? Who are you? And he said, I've come to bear witness the truth. Pilate said, what is truth? He genuinely had no idea what truth is. And today we don't have any idea because our universities and schools are teaching people there's no such thing as absolute truth. It's your opinion. If you believe it, that's right. It's your opinion. If you believe it, that's right. There's no such thing as absolute truth. That's what they're teaching. In other words, they're saying the Bible is worthless. It's not absolute truth. I'm here to share something with you tonight, family of God. The Bible is absolute truth. It's God's word. It's God's word. Amen. Yes, there is absolute truth. And those who don't believe it will find out one day they don't believe it now. They will believe it in the fires of hell. I hope that doesn't happen to them. Revelation 21 says all lies will have their place in the lake of fire. Including Christian lies. We want to speak truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to, to slander others or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise persistent sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises, even when it hurts. Those who do not charge interest on money they lend and who refuse to accept bribes to testify against the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. I have had through the years several encounters, encounters with people who have no integrity and no character. Sorry to just have to say that. Sorry to have to say that. People who have no loyalty. I've had people through the years, because we've been full-time in the ministry, this is our 40th year of full-time in the ministry. Through the years, we've had folks that, you know, you get to know them. And you get to know them very well because they've been with you for years. The same thing happened in San Antonio. People we start out with in the church. A handful of folks. They're still there today, some of them. But some of them said to me, we're here forever. We're with you. We're going to support you no matter what comes our way. We are part of this church. We're here for you. You know, when I hear that, I always... I don't say anything negative, but I always say, oh, please, God, let that be true. And uh, so, but unfortunately, some of them get offended by somebody in the church does something to them, took their seat. Now the world's coming to an end took their parking lot or whatever. Or I made a decision. Well, I had two options to either take that option or that option. And so I chose the option that they didn't choose. 
And so now they're leaving the church. Now they're leaving the church. Because I've done such a terrible, terrible thing. They don't know why I made that decision. They don't understand the reasons. But they leave the church. And so because I know them and I found out they've left, they, the pastors come tell me and the person's left the church. Why? Because you chose the blue one instead of the red one. Seriously? Okay. So let me call them, see if I can help them. So I call them. Hi, John. Dr. Theo here. Give me a call, please. Thank you. God bless. Bye. No answer. Send him a text. Hi, John. Give me a call. We have a moment. Thank you. No answer. So after a few weeks, you know, of sending messages and texts and you call them SMSs or whatever you call them, so no answer. So finally, I send them. Well, now, what's going on here? Let's just think about this. Where's the integrity here? Because I have been tried, convicted, and condemned without a chance to speak. You got it? Or, ever, or anybody else. Tried, convicted, condemned, without a chance to speak. No one can even get a, a chance to share with them what actually happened. And if they knew it, what happened, there'd be agreement with it. So finally, I send them this message. Listen to this. This is my last text. When you get to heaven, will you talk to me there? Because I can just imagine I'm coming down the street and they cross over. They won't let me in heaven, you know. Not talk to me. Walking down the gold streets. Oh, here comes Apostle Theo. I'm crossing over. In a million years from now, it's still crossing the street. They won't talk to you. Well, no, you know what? That doesn't happen in heaven. It doesn't. There's only unity, love, and fellowship in heaven. You know that, eh? There's no strife and division in heaven. Do you know why? Because people like that don't get to go. There's none of them up there. They miss the rapture, they go to hell. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. Jesus, Jesus said people like that are handed over to the tormentors. Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Say so that anger, unforgiveness, gives Satan control over somebody. Matthew 18.21. We have the story here. Jesus told this parable of a man who owed his master Millions and millions of dollars worth of debt. In fact, the sum represents the sin of the unsaved. That can never be repaid. A debt that cannot be repaid. Except through the death of Christ on the cross. But he went to his master and said, I can't pay you. And the master forgave him all that debt. And what did he do? He went and found his fellow servant owed him $10 and threw him into jail because he couldn't pay him. So the master found out about this, called him in and said, listen, I forgave you debt you could not pay back and you wouldn't forgive your fellow servant $10. 
So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to hand you over to the tormentors. To the tormentors. Is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. Oh, yes. Let's have a look at uh, Matthew 18 and look at verse 34. Matthew 18, 34, on page 20. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So he's talking to his disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and those guys. And he's saying to them, if you don't forgive, my Father is going to hand you over the tormentors. Now, are those the angels? Who are the tormentors? No, they're demons. They're demons. Amen? Now, you might have heard... <clears throat> Let me show you another scripture, Matthew 5, 23. Jesus said, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, that's the gift of worship, come to worship. Jesus saying, If you want to come worship at church... And there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Be reconciled. Then come offer your gift. Now there's only two kinds of gifts or worship in the Old Testament. The one was worship. The other one was sacrifice for atonement. For for covering of sins done by the high priest. So this is obviously talking about the general sacrifice of worship. So Jesus is saying here that if you have something against your brother, you need to be reconciled before I accept your worship of me. Don't come worship me. I don't want to see you in church worshiping me until you've been restored with your brother. That means things are back like they were before the problem occurred. That's restoration. Things are back like they were before the problem occurred. Are you tracking me, church? That's what restoration means. Now, so Jesus said here, leave your gift there be before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift of worship. Now I'll tell you a quick story about Pastor Daniel from Nigeria. Uh, he and his wife had an argument. I'm here, I'm, I'm guessing it was her, her fault. He locked her out of the bedroom. She banged on the door and said, please forgive me, please forgive me, let me in. I'm so sorry. The whole night she slept outside the bedroom. The next morning he got up and left the house, wouldn't talk to her. He had a car wreck. And he was dying in the ambulance going to the hospital. Two angels next to his stretcher in the ambulance. And so realizing he's dying, he said, God, I forgive my wife for this argument. I forgive her. And so he went up to heaven and stood before the Lord. And Jesus showed him around heaven and then showed him around hell. And then Jesus said to Pastor Daniel, and that pastor actually preached in this church in the old building about 15 years ago. How many of you remember him? Okay. Um, so Jesus said to Pastor Daniel, he said, 
If your record were to end now, this is where you'd spend eternity. Because you have not put things right with your wife. And uh, he broke down crying, realizing, he said to, her, to Jesus first, I'm a pastor, and I forgave her in the ambulance, and he said, you have not been reconciled to your wife. You did not put things right with her. And Jesus said to, he walked away, he cried out to Jesus, Jesus turned around and came back and did that, and the Bible appeared to him, Matthew Mark eleven twenty five. Whoever should stand, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. If you do not forgive, neither your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And then he did that again, and Matthew five twenty three appeared. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So then Jesus said to him, after showing him that, Jesus said to him, the word of God has spoken. Listen to that. The word of God has spoken. And Jesus said, it's not I that will judge you on that day, but the word which I have spoken that shall judge you on that day. So he said, if your record were to end, you'd spend an eternity right here in the fires of hell. And he said to Pastor Daniel, I'm going to release you to go back to the earth. Not because of anything you have done. Not because of anything you have done. But because if you don't go and warn my church, I'm sending you back to the earth not because of anything you have done and not because I'm showing you any extra mercy, but because I don't want to lose more than 50% of my church in the rapture. Because that means 50% of the Christians are walking around with grudges. And you won't go in the rapture and you can't go to heaven. Because if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. It's like Jesus didn't die for you. This is very serious. I have heard of spiritually so-called mature Christians in leadership positions who do not forgive, even though they know this. Even though they know the story, they still get hurt, offended, and, and keep that offense. We've got to forgive. The moment you forgive, the offense leaves. God can't heal the offense when there's, hurt, when there's unforgiveness. The offense means there's unforgiveness. The offense means there's unforgiveness. And the, a forgiveness is a decision. I decide to forgive. And I'm going to my brother to be reconciled. Then you go to your brother and say, I have this problem. I'm offended. Let's be reconciled. You've got to make the reconciliation. Otherwise, it's not counting. So this man was to spend eternity in hell because he did not actually say to his wife, I forgive you and be reconciled to her. Now, here's the thing that's important.
We understand all this is about integrity and character, forgiveness, walking in love. All important, very important. Jesus told us there's a broad way that leads to destruction. Many will be there find it. There's a narrow way that leads to eternal life. We can't take these risks. We cannot depend. We cannot walk down that road. We've got to forgive and walk in love. Amen? We've got to put things right. I have so many stories I can tell you of people who didn't forgive and what happened to them. Could you please, please close your eyes and bow your heads. This is a very serious moment this evening. I want to be assured, I want to make sure that you understand the value of forgiveness. This man's wife, listen very carefully, claimed the scripture and said that my husband will live or not die. She stood on the word of God, Hebrews 11.35, woman received their dead back, raised back to life again. She went to visit her dead husband in the morgue in the hospital. Took his body out, refused to believe he was dead. Took him to another hospital. They pronounced him dead. The third hospital, they pronounced him dead. Put his body in the back of a bucky, drove three days to run a bonkers crusade in a big stadium. Drove underneath the stadium, underneath the platform, big open space, got out the vehicle and Rana Bonko was preaching on the platform. Her husband sat up in the coffin, healed, came back to life. Rana Bonka did an extensive research and found out the three hospitals that confirmed him three certificates of death. Pronounced dead three times. Ronald Bonker's got the full story in his website. You can go there and research the whole thing. But here's the situation. We must understand. This man said, the moment somebody does not forgive, from that very moment, demon spirits take control of their thinking. Demon spirits take control of their thinking. They're no longer in their right mind. And this is what the demons are going to do. They're going to tell you you are justified in feeling offended. This is why you should be offended. And you are right. It's fine to be hurt. And you have your right to be hurt. Stay hurt. The devil wants you to go to hell and destroy your life. So then, within a short while, something else happens. And now because you're not thinking straight, you're controlled by demons, you accept another hurt. Then another hurt. And they start coming at you. Fast and furious. Until you've got 
many hurts, many offenses, and demons have taken over, entering into your life, into your mind, into your body. And they will destroy you and drag you to hell. Hear me carefully. I've cast out thousands of demons in my life. Thousands. You've seen it right here. Screaming with loud voices. But here's something remarkable about all of that. I have never cast a demon out of somebody who's not a Christian. I've never cast a demon out of somebody who's not a believer in Christ. Every time I've cast demons out of people, they've been saved. Christians. And 99% of the time, it's because of unforgiveness. And the other 1% makes up all those in pornography, alcoholics, drug addictions. But 99% is unforgiveness. Terrible, isn't it? So, Brother Daniel said, the moment a person is offended and they refuse to forgive, demons control their they're thinking. They're not in their right mind until they forgive. Just like Jesus said, they are handed over to the tormentors. And Jesus said to his 12 apostles of the Lamb, if you do not forgive your brother, my Father in heaven will hand you over to demons. So if that's true for them, it's true for us. Family of God, what is integrity? Integrity means I'm going to do what this Bible says to do. I'm going to do what this Bible says to do. I'm going to live by this book. I'm going to be faithful and loyal. If I make a promise, I'm going to keep it. After all, Jesus said, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. What's that mean? That means Jesus will judge us by our words. Our words will determine whether we go to heaven or to hell. So God's judging me by what I say. So obviously what I say and me are the same. One and the same. I and my word are one. And God and His word is one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1, 1. So we must understand the importance of words. Integrity, character. I know we'd father rather hear a message, a cheerleading, encouraging, raw, raw message. I know that. But if somebody's on the wrong road, they don't need a cheerleader. They need to get off that road. They need a coach to get on the right road. And I'm leaving now. And I love you too much to let the devil hold you in bondage because of unforgiveness and hurts. Please, child of God, tonight, if 50% of the church is going to miss the rapture because of hurts and unforgiveness, then it's something we have to deal with. And I don't want one of you to stay behind when Jesus comes. We want you all to go up in the rapture. So this is what I'm going to do right now. This is not an altar call for the lost to get saved. 
This is an altar call for the saved to forgive. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, will you please ask God right now, is there anybody in my life I must forgive? Is there anybody in my life I must forgive? And if there is, he'll tell you. And if there's not, don't worry about it. Don't the devil lie to you. But if you'll forgive that person, I promise you right now, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Leave them to God. You forgive them, I know they've hurt you. But what the devil plans to do is a million times worse than what they ever did. And he wants to drag you to hell because of it. So right now, say, I forgive them. Call their name so you can hear it with your ears. You don't have to let anybody else hear it. But right now, say out loud to yourself so you can hear it. I forgive John, Fred, my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my uncle, my aunt, whoever it might be. Go ahead. Tell God right now and you forgive them. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. All right, look up at me. So you are children of God. You have been forgiven. And you have forgiven. So all is well. Do not the devil, do not let the devil lie to you and talk you out of it. But you are going in the rapture. You are ready for the Lord's return. And I'll see you if, she, if he comes before September. I'll see you in heaven. All right. I love you, family. Praise we you. love you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.